Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. And we know all things work together for the good. The good. To those who love God, to those who are called, according to His purpose, it's His purpose, not mine. And we know all things work together for the good, the good, and we know all things work together for the To those who are called, according to His purpose, it's His purpose, not mine. We are now in the book of Obadiah. Obadiah, the first chapter, the first through the 15th verse says this, the vision of Obadiah. This is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Timon, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners attended and entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. And that ends our reading for today. Our topic is non-negotiables part two, extend mercy. I have to admit to you that as I was developing this purpose in 66 curriculum, there were times where I would look back to see what God said to me before to ask if that was relatable to purpose. 
and yesterday as I was preparing the topic for our study around non-negotiables, I stumbled upon a nine-minute video that blew my breath away. Five years ago, God gave me the same word about non-negotiables, and it was on yesterday that I decided this needed to be shared because this is a purpose principle. Revelation never expires. God will often give you something for your future if you will take the time to go backward to see what he said before. I want to show you the extension of the message that God gave me five years ago because it applies to our non-negotiables today and it coincides with our lesson yesterday. Hey everybody, my name is Sean Saunders and I just wanted to give a recap from our recess moment. As you know, recess happens once a month, typically on the fourth Monday of every month. And the reason we do it is because I believe everyone needs a time to take a break from the routine of life and get in God's presence. Well, while we were in God's presence, God downloaded a word to us and I wanted to make sure that I communicated that to you. The title of the word that we discussed was non-negotiables. If you are in a relationship or if you're seeking to be in one, typically you come to the table with a list of things that you will not negotiate on. These things will be required if someone is going to partner with you. And in the same way, I believe that God has a list of non-negotiables, that if we're going to partner in purpose with him, we need to be willing to agree to these terms and conditions. The first non-negotiable that I believe each of us need to agree with God on is the non-negotiable of freedom. If we're going to walk in purpose, we've got to be free. For the worshiper, it is essential that we understand how important freedom is to your next season. The scripture says in Exodus, as Moses is inspired by God to go to Pharaoh, he says these words to Pharaoh, let my people go so they may worship me. That's really important because the children of Israel are not being liberated so that they can do what they want to do. Moses realizes that it is impossible to worship if you're in chains. That worship cannot happen unless you are free. So if you're going to do purpose in God's will, you're going to have to accept that one non-negotiable is freedom. And in this season, your freedom is more important than anything else. Whenever someone is attacking your freedom, they have access to your future. So I want to encourage you to keep your freedom. I want to encourage you to fight for your freedom. Anything that comes against your freedom doesn't deserve to be in your life. Freedom from what? We need to be free from the opinions of people. We need to be free from the sin and the weight that so easily besets us. And we need to be free from our small-minded mentality of what's best for us. I always like to say it this way. In order to do the will of the Father, you have to abandon the will of the child. Friends, if eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what God is going to do in your life, then that means if you have eyes and if you have ears, quite possibly, God is doing something bigger than you can see yourself. My daughter is very young. She's only five years old. And after I pick her up from school, she wants to get cake. She wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese. The circumference of her desire is contingent upon her age. And I, as her father, knows that if I only give her what she wants or what she thinks that she needs in this season, 
then I will be limiting her to her perspective. In the same way, God sees your future and he sees that the ice cream that you call a degree or the Chuck E. Cheese that you call a wedding does not compare to what he's about to do in your life. So you've got to be free from the small mindedness of your own perception of what God wants to do. Number two, after you agree to the non-negotiable of freedom, then you've got to agree to the non-negotiable of flexibility. If you are going to walk with God in this season, you have to be flexible. Now in the scriptures, we find out a lot about the 12 tribes. And one tribe in particular is the tribe of Levi. We call them Levites. Well, the Levites in scripture were those who were attached to God. They did not have possessions of their own. They didn't even have land that they had in their name because their primary responsibility was be connected to God. I believe that many of us who are frustrated because we don't seem to land anywhere or we feel as if something always shifts in our lives. We want to own, we want to possess, but that's not what's happening. What if God is saying you're a Levite and your primary responsibility is to be attached to me? I want to be the owner of your life. I want to be the owner of your provision. And if you're a Levite, Quite honestly, it's hard for you to keep a nine to five. It's hard for you to look back and have 20 years of experience in one thing because God is always dropping provision from unexpected places. When God calls you to flexibility, he's telling you that I need you to be elastic so that your capacity can stretch according to where I am taking you. Your flexibility is necessary. And when I studied this, I heard specifically God saying to someone, I don't want you to get ready. I want you to be ready. Imagine getting a phone call that someone is downstairs and they're about to leave at 530. Well, if you're not dressed when that person is downstairs, they may pull off because you were supposed to be ready when they arrived. I don't want you to miss out on this next season simply because you're getting ready and you're not ready. In this season, you gotta be flexible. You gotta be able to move when and where God says move and trust that God knows better than you. So after we have our flexibility and after we have our non-negotiable of freedom, the second or the third non-negotiable that we have is the non-negotiable of faith. I want to tell it to you just like God said it to me. Faith is the language of heaven. And somehow we have allowed the facts of life to drown out the faith in God. We have become more caught up in ritualistic. We become more caught up in ritualistic routines. We become more leaned toward empirical data. We are statistical in our confirmations and we are thoughtful and logical about our next steps. And all of those things are great, but let's not forget about the faith factor. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. The Bible says faith without works is dead. The Bible says that if you want to see God, you've got to have faith. It's impossible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So in order for you to actualize something that God wants to do in your life, you've got to have faith because faith marks the place where you stop and God begins. I want to encourage you to have great faith. I want to encourage you to stop doubting what God wants to do in your life.
There used to be a time where you would say, I just believe God. God told me to go. I don't know how it will get paid for. I don't know how the way will be made, but I'm going to do what God said. And when you do it, God shows up. Don't let the opinions of others, the negativity and pessimism of your environment get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. You need in this season fresh faith. It's a non-negotiable. It's impossible to move forward without it. And finally, after you have faith, after you have freedom, after you have flexibility, you need fortitude. And I want to pray for you the same words that God said to Joshua as the mantle was being passed down from one leader to the next. Be strong and courageous. God is giving you the power to build again. God is giving you the fortitude and the courage to do what other people haven't done. You've got to be strong in the Lord. Because what God is preparing you for, you can't walk into this with trepidation. You've got to have fortitude. You've got to have resilience. You've got to have a determination that it may not have worked for someone else, but because God said it, it's going to work for me. These are the non-negotiables. You will not win every single race, but you will win at the end of the day. The race isn't given to the swift or the strong, but to those who endure to the end. I wanna encourage you to have these non-negotiables and to agree with God so that you can move forward in your next season. And anyone in your life who wants to move forward with you, they need to have those same non-negotiables. You need to tell them, if you want to do life with me, if you wanna do ministry with me, if you want to do love with me, if you want to do future with me, if you want to do business with me or partner with me, I need you to understand that doing life with me requires that you too are free, that you too are flexible, that you too have faith, and that you too have fortitude. That's all I wanted to say today. I hope this blessed you. Join me for Encounter Prayer as we discuss these four pillars in more detail. Have a great day. It's day 45 of our 90-day challenge, and listen, I don't think anything is coincidental or accidental. I have really struggled with President 45 for reasons that are not political. They are about purpose, right? Number one, I do believe that when you are purposed for a position, God calls you and equips you. So... I get that many people in church will say amen to the reality that God calls the unqualified. And yes, in scripture we see that there are times that when God calls you, you feel ill-equipped or unqualified. But at a certain point in time, God qualifies the called. You do pass the bar eventually or else you will not become a lawyer. So when I think about President 45, I think about firstly, the danger of an unqualified person occupying a position of power. When you read Obadiah in day 45, what you walk away with is that God is still the God of justice and mercy. So when you are thinking through your business plans, make sure you include mercy because someone may not be able to afford the top price and someone may deserve for you to do something different for them that you would have done for anyone else. But for the Christian, when you are encountering wayward people, disrespectful clients, ungrateful friends, often we turn our backs and we create these boundaries that we call 
gates, but they're really walls. For you, I say, extend mercy one more time. Because it is our calling to be who Obadiah needed to be for a wayward people. He was their reminder that God is still faithful even when you are fickle. So in your business practices, I know what the law says and I know what the protocol says, but every once in a while, pray if this is time for you to extend mercy for the exception. So excuse me 